sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, yo! What's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P. Joe Pizapia, and welcome to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. It is me, it is Eric Young, and it's you. And we're taking through the next two hours here, right here on SportsGrid, talking everything football. We've got some baseball, believe it or not, to talk about today. And we even got some NBA because Nathan Bush, my good friend from In This Ring and Wide Men Can't Jump, is going to join us a little later in the program, get his take on MVP and a whole lot more. But there was a football game to get to, some trades to get to in baseball. A lot of things are happening and that's good. Everybody says this is a slow week. It does not feel slow at all. I think there's a lot of stuff going on. So, Eric, welcome back to the show. And I think we just uh, might have uh, solidified maybe a little hockey talk tomorrow. So I'm prepping everybody. If you're a hockey fan, I think EY and I are going to get into some of those props on FanDuel, which is going to be very exciting because there's not enough hockey around the network. And when you have a Canadian legend like yourself around, we have to take advantage of it. Canadian legend, both on and off the rink, uh, several-time beer league Stanley Keg champion, and uh, <laughs> noted and very apologetic fantasy psycho when it comes in. I love it. Now, I look forward to tomorrow. But, I mean, like you said, there's lots of stuff to talk about. Bills looked amazing last night. <laughs> they certainly did. Our childhood team, as we discovered yesterday through a fantastic conversation here. And if you missed it, you can go check it out on demand, obviously. But – my goodness, uh, the Bills certainly did look dominant. And let's start there. Uh, just a blowout here by the Buffalo Bills. And this game was over at the half, 38-9 uh, to nine on Monday Night Football. Bill Belichick's throwing phones. He's, he's you know, throwing quarterbacks. He's not happy. Cam Newton was benched in the third quarter for Jarrett Stidham. Not that it would matter, but I think we can probably say that Cam Newton's days are done as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Maybe a backup. I don't know. We'll get more into that in the next segment. Uh, but also to talk about here is a little Padres baseball. In fact, a lot of Padres moves. Yesterday, we talked to you about uh, acquiring Blake Snell. That was a big move there, left-handed pitcher. Now they acquire one of the best right-handed pitchers in the National League, Hugh Darvish. They also got his favorite catcher, Victor Garadini, my people. And they also signed uh, a KBO star as well, uh, and that is Ha Seung Kim. So a lot of moves here by the Padres, and they are going for it, which – I think is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, the, the Padres are a young, exciting team. But at the same time, they've made a lot of investments here in Hosmer. Paid a lot of money to him. Some say overpaid. I'm one of those some that say that they paid too much for him. But I understand why. You're trying to attract free agents, and it worked because you got Machado in there. You have Tatis. You have a team that's starting to come through. Paddock was a little disappointing last year. And I think they were looking to him to really solidify that rotation. And that was not the case. He was very up and down, still a two-pitch pitcher. If he develops a third pitch, I think that'll be obviously the, the difference between him making it as a full-time starter and not. But in the meantime, when you add two guys like you, Darvish, and Blake Snell to the top of a rotation, we already got to Nelson Lamette and a few other talented arms if he could turn things around. And, and I got to be honest with you, they gave up a lot in the Snell trade. It did not give up a lot for you, Darvish, who has a big contract, and I understand, and the Cubs are clearly in full rebuild mode. So if the you Darvish shoe dropped, I imagine the Chris Bryant shoe is right around the corner. Hey, Mets, are you listening? Mr. Cohen, hello. Let's get some players. Look, the Cubs are selling everybody for nothing. 
Go get something. Watch. We'll give up our best prospect for the Mets in order to get Chris Bryant. They give up nothing for you, Darvish. But anyway, I digress. Um, going back to a little bit of football news, too. I know we'll talk about this more in hour two. Jared Goff is going to have surgery as we welcome in our radio audience here to Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Uh, Jared Goff had the surgery yesterday on the thumb. Uh, he'll be out for week 17. John Walford's going to play quarterback. What chance do you give, Eric, the Los Angeles Rams with a guy who's never taken a snap in the NFL? And I know, you know, most rookies haven't either. That's the whole point. That's why they're rookies and all these things that go on. But when you have a guy here, are they even downgrading quarterback when you think about it? Because golf has played so poorly at this point, maybe something like this might be a, a fun little spark because a lot of people say he's a very athletic kid and, and he can make some throws. So what are your thoughts on this whole Rams situation? Do you just count them out altogether? Or do you think they've got some life left in them? I think for me, as long as McVay is the coach, you, you got to give him a chance. I think they have to move on from Jared Goff. Jared Goff has proven this year that he, he is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he just, there's just he seems lost. I mean, I don't know what your take on it is, Joe, but he seems lost to me. Uh, if I'm a receiver on that team or, or an offensive player, uh, I, I'm I am not impressed by his play, and I want somebody that can get me the ball. Like, yeah, they have all these playmakers: three unbelievable wide receivers, two unbelievable tight ends, uh, a backfield. Well, was full of talent. A bunch of them are injured now. <laughs> I mean, this is a team that should be way better than the years. And the reality is that falls on Goff. I mean, it, for mm -hmm. me, it, the, the responsibility falls on them. They can only call a game plan. Uh, in the end, the quarterback has to be able to execute it. And I think he's proven this year that he is not capable. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit of hot takes about Jared Goff later in the show, too, in this hour. So make sure you stick around for that, because I don't know how hot of a take that is. I actually am kind of with you, but uh, I don't want to spoil later segments because we have to keep the kids watching. That's how the ratings go up. And that's why we're so popular here on sports grid. But uh, in the meantime, too, another great performance last night from Josh Allen, who just looks like he's playing his best football. I can't wait to break down this game a little bit more. And, you know, for the Patriots side last night, just, you know, what's frustrating as a Patriots fan, and I'll just kind of throw this out there for my own selfish needs right now. Cause I think I just need to vent a little bit. You know, there's people out there saying, Oh, look, you know, it's Tom Brady and he's in the playoffs and now Bill Belichick isn't. And see, it's always been Brady the whole time. Look, Belichick got the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs. Okay. Let's, let's not forget that. Bill Belichick with Max Castle almost got the Patriots into the playoffs one year. They're in a weird spot, okay? And that's the difference. So we'll get to that. I think that's a lot of noise right now. And Bill Belichick maybe just needs some help and needs to step back and reevaluate what's going on. We're going to step back and hit a break. We go back. Monday Night Football Breakdown right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid. Early line. Rodgers, Mahomes. Um, it was Russell Wilson early on in the season. There have been other players that have. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Well, we had a few quarterbacks going in opposite directions last night in Monday Night Football, and we have another quarterback, some breaking news right now, that will be going in the direction of the bench this week. But it's okay. He's not being benched because he was bad. In fact, it's a reward. Big Ben is not going to play this week for the Steelers because uh, it just turns out that that game just doesn't mean anything for them. Now, it means a lot for Cleveland, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but So no Big Ben this week in case you are a, a complete fool and playing in Week 17, your championship, I can't imagine – What's wrong with you? Why you would do this to yourself? I know there's leagues out there that do this, but I'm going to try to keep my blood pressure down as Eric Young and I go through Monday Night Football. And it was uh, over at the half. I think that's pretty safe to say, as many people thought it might be. As we look at the stats here from last night, Josh Allen, 27 of 36 for 320, four touchdowns. He also rushed four times for 35 yards. Great game for him and Stefan Diggs together. This duo has been fantastic. Nine receptions, 145, and he caught three of those four touchdowns from Josh Allen. Zach Moss carried the ball 12 times for 57 in a TD. Devin Singletary got in the action as well. But uh, look, I mean, this Diggs combination, everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams as they should. But how about Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, who have done this year has been absolutely spectacular. I will make the argument that this offseason, even more than DeAndre Hopkins, even more than a few other moves that really had some big-time impact on some teams, it feels like the Stefan Diggs addition was probably the most important addition of any other team this offseason, Eric. Do you think that that's crazy, or do you think that that is accurate? I mean, that would be my vote. Stefan Diggs, I mean, it was not like he was an afterthought in Minnesota, but I mean, I don't think anyone considered him the number one. I think that was Adam Thielen, and they obviously drafted Jefferson. They thought that Diggs was expendable, and I don't I don't see how you could ever possibly think that. I mean, he showed me this year that he's probably one of the top 10, if not top five wide receivers in the league. Josh Allen is massively improved in the accuracy and, and touch department. And you can see it, uh, it when he throws and when he's going through his progressions. This is a different quarterback than he was last year, a much improved. Uh, I know you, you were talking in the break about you watching film on him and, and back uh, for Black Book, you said that he's going to be the number one quarterback in that class. I don't know there would be many other people that would have agreed with you. Um, Nobody. Because he was raw. <laughs> he could make every throw and whip it a million miles and, and can zip the ball and could run. But no one thought he was going to be this kind of quarterback. Uh, and it, it's really cool to see Buffalo deserves it. The fans of Buffalo deserve it. And they have you know possibly an MVP quarterback leading this team into the playoffs. They are hot right now. They're having fun. And you can see it how they're playing. It, it's just mm -hmm. such a cool story. This is Buffalo. Bills year. Uh, it, it, it's going to surprise me if they don't make a real run in the playoffs. I think they're the the most complete team, maybe right yeah. now. I mean, in terms of you know the the only thing they don't they don't run the football all that well, but they can and they do have the two running backs, so at least that's a positive. But the way the secondaries finally pick things up has been terrific. Josh Allen's playing out of his mind. The wide receivers have played well. I know they got John Brown healthy last night for this game, too. So that's very important for them. But, you know, you look around, if there's a team that I think could beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, could beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and I wouldn't blink an eye, I think it's the Buffalo Bills. I really do. I mean, they just they seem like they are ready. They seem like they're hungry. I think last year was a good learning experience for them in the playoffs. And, and yeah, I did. And, and if you don't believe me, go back and go buy yourself a 2018 Black Book. And I'll, I'll retweet that little segment because – what I saw when I'm watching Josh Allen was a guy who with incredible raw athleticism, incredible arm talent, and all the raw things that you're looking for at a quarterback, but it just was, you know, you need to kind of like polish it up and, and clean it up and clean up the mechanics a little bit. And if you could do that, and not everybody can, 
I thought he was going to be the best guy in this class. And and Baker Mayfield went before him. Josh Rosen went before him. Sam Darnold went before him. Lamar Jackson uh, was right around in that same class too. I believe he went after Josh Allen, if memory serves. But I mean, look, it was a it was a very heavy quarterback class that a lot of people were very high on. But when you step back and as much as Baker Mayfield was getting all the publicity and Rosen and Darnold looked like the quote safe guys, it was Josh Allen to me. And you saw it in his rookie year too. You saw that energy and that spark. And and there's an intangible quality of certain quarterbacks where they have that leadership ability. And I just feel like Allen got that. And you saw it in college. And if you didn't see it in college, you weren't to Josh Allen. Now, those are all really nice positive things. So now let's flip the script because I've got nothing positive here for you when it comes to the New England Patriots. This was gross. It was terrible. Cam Newton, 5 for 10. Yes, no, don't adjust your screen. 34 yards, carried the ball four times for 24 yards and a touchdown. He was benched for Jared Stidham. Uh, there was a, 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 look, what should have been a touchdown, basically, to Demir Bird. It was dropped. But you know what? It's just a complete debacle. Sody Michelle, 10 carries for 69. Jacoby Myers, four receptions for 45. I've been saying for a very long time, EY, that the Patriots do not have any playmakers on offense. They lack speed. They lack explosiveness. They have no tight end anymore. They have a running back by committee situation that's developed. And, and I think Damian Harris has looked great at times this year. And I think if you go forward with him next year, you're okay there. But the rest of this wide receiving core has been a failure. Nikhil Harry's been a swing and miss. Sonny Michelle's been a swing and miss. When this team has taken first-round talent and offense, it has failed miserably. And I believe it's time for Bill Belichick to sit back now and realize, all right, I can't do it all myself. I've tried, and I've had success with it at times. But now I think you've got to sit back with the hubris a little bit and all the rings and all the success and all that stuff and ask for some better help. Ask for some, some other input because the way the roster is constructed yes the defense is still very good i understand last night they were in a bad spot against josh allen but still to me this patriot team is really on the brink it could go one or two ways it can become a disaster and completely fall apart or they can retool after this whole post year of brady free up some more caps and get the qb so what is the fix if any in your opinion for the patriots in 2021 what would you do if you were given the reins there at gm I mean, in the NFL, and they, they there's a saying in, in the NHL that 80% of you winning is your goalie, and when you lose, it's 100%. So, I mean, <laughs> there's just no secret about it is everything flows through the quarterback position. And if you don't have someone that can run your offense the way you want it to be run, I mean, what does it matter if you have better skill position players? If Cam Newton can't get them to ball and isn't making the right reads and isn't doing the right thing, none of it matters. So that's the, the first thing. I mean, they gave the one-year deal. It's obviously a, a failure. Uh, Cam not, Newton is not the player. Uh, I wish we could show a clip. There was a clip, uh, a part of the game where he rolled out, um, looked like Cam Newton. He's in full stride. He winds up, he throws the ball, and it bounces like 10 feet in front of the receiver that's wide open. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh, geez. I mean, that's uh, that's just not acceptable in the NFL for anybody, even a backup quarterback, but especially a starting quarterback, the bouncing a ball off the turf to a guy that's standing wide open, nobody covering him. I mean, it, it should be an automatic first down, and it was an incomplete pass. So it, that's where they need to start. Um, I don't think they're going to have a high enough draft pick to get one of those top guys. And they're in real trouble here. I mean, they, they're, mm -hmm. like you said, they have no speed at the wide receiver position. Running back is okay, but they don't have anybody that's going to change a game changing type talent on offense mm -hmm. anywhere. And you, and you need that in 2020. 
You know, that's the thing. I mean, this is a different game than even it was, I think, four or five years ago, where if you don't have those Tyreek Hill guys, you don't have those Calvin Ridley guys, you know, those DK Metcalf guys, these guys that just make plays and are just spectacular. If you don't have those guys at the wide receiver position, you are hurting. And, and they don't have, they didn't draft CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> they didn't draft a lot of these kind of guys. And going back to Cam Newton for, for a moment, too, you're absolutely right. I mean, as a backup quarterback, those are throws you need to be making. And this was supposed to be Cam Newton, you know, showing the world. This was chip on his shoulder, Cam Newton. This was Cam Newton saying, oh, yeah, you don't believe in me? Well, watch me. Well, we're watching Cam, and it doesn't look good. And now I guess you know why Ron Rivera didn't want to take him with him to Washington. He was saying, no, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll figure it out with Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. He took Cam Newton's backup with him to Washington before he took Cam Newton. Cam Newton's just sitting out there. You could have had him, but he passed. And now we know why. And I think it makes a, a ton of sense when you kind of sit back and look at it now. And uh, it's it's a frustrating spot. And, and I know, you know, there will be some quarterbacks in there in the draft this year. And, and looking at the draft, you've got to imagine at least two are probably going to go in the top five picks. Um, you know, we'll see how things shake out. I think the Pats are going to be somewhere in the low teens, if memory serves. So who knows? A quarterback could fall to them or maybe they could move up or figure something out. But it ain't good right now. They're in a bad spot. They need a ton. So they're going to have to go and spend some money on free agency or just scrap the whole thing and just continue to start over because it's not in a good spot. And they're looking up at Buffalo for a long time. All right, we're going to break. We go back. NBA talk with Nathan Bush. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back. Right after. Your heart's racing. The clock's running out. It all comes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All things NBA basketball. He is also my co-host of Ring Wrestling Podcast. I don't have some time for wrestling talk or not today, but we've definitely made some time for Nathan Bush to talk a little NBA. Nate? Welcome to the program, my friend. It is good to talk to you. How are you enjoying your NBA being back already? I, I'm always excited for NBA to be back. And Joe, there's always time to talk wrestling, by the way. <laughs> but yes, the NBA this year has been, we're only a few days in, and it's been uh, really fun so far to see how the league is progressing and changing after the shortest offseason in sports history, 71 days from finals to opening day. And and what do you think that impact is, real quick, too? Just because you, you mentioned it, we, we were trying to throw some ideas out there, but you're Mr. NBA. What do you think that impact is? I mean, obviously different for the teams that were not in the playoffs that, that finished, you know, all the way to the finals. But what sort of impact in terms of minutes with some of these veterans that you might see early on because of that shorter window of offseason? Well, the shorter window of offseason is going to affect guys, especially, you know, your LeBrons who are a little bit older. I know old, 35 is considered old when you've played that long in the NBA, but, you know, guys for the Lakers, for the Heat, you're going to see a little bit more load management for them. And Mr. Load Management, Kawhi Leonard, he's already set a game out. And uh, we saw how that went against the Mavericks as his team lost by like 51. They trailed 70, I think it was 77 to 27 at halftime in that game. So the load management issue is going to be a big thing. But meanwhile, you got some other teams that were not in the bubble. They're playing their first game since March. So mm -hmm. this is the first action they're seeing. So they've got to get their legs back under them as well. Because if you take that much time off, I don't care how much pickup ball or how much practice you have, it's not the same as playing in a regular NBA game. 
Yeah, those are weird ends of the spectrum, right, where you're talking about them. All right, let, let's do a little prediction time, and let's start here with your predictions for this season for NBA MVP, because I know you got some real thoughts on one favorite in particular for you. For Who is that guy? Well, the the betting money, you know, I know Sports Grid likes to throw out a lot of money wagers here. <laughs> uh, we do. It's what we do. And, you know, the betting money has been on Luka Doncic. That's been a lot of the money. Anthony Davis is getting a lot of love. But the sleeper pick for me, and this was, I actually put some money down on this myself. He's going off at plus 1,000, so it's a pretty good bet, pretty good payoff. Damian Lillard. I think Damian Lillard can be MVP. Now, he started first game of the season a little slow, but as he gets into his own, Damian Lillard is a guy whose team has gotten so much better. He has not averaged under 25 points per game in five years. And this is a guy that's a scorer. He can create his own shot when need be. And he's also Mr. Clutch. If you need a shot at the end of a ball game, you can go to Damian Lillard at any time. This is a guy who has sent people packing in the playoffs. He has uh, averaged eight assists per game, and that's a, a solid fact there. But his team getting better is going to help his vote because the NBA also looks at how good your team performs when it comes to the MVP voting. That team has gotten so much better. They're going to be such a tough out once playoff time rolls around. They're going to be there. They're going to have C.J. McCollum. He's averaging 33 points per game through the first few games. They added Robert Covington, which is an addition that nobody is really talking about. But that's a specialist who can really get in there, clog up what you're doing. He's good switching on screens. He's good playing off-the-ball defenses as well. Ennis Cantor is a nice addition behind Yusuf Nurkic, and that adds uh, a big man who comes off the bench who can score as well as rim protect. So now you got these guys who can fight over top of screens instead of having to fall back because literally all they had before was Zach Collins, who's you know a fine defender as well, but he's not as good as a Nurkic. And they had Hassan Whiteside last year. They got rid of that contract, which that was a, a horrible situation for Portland. And... Rodney Hood is back healthy now, which helps. They've re-signed Melo, who now no longer has to be that third option or that second option. He can be the third option, fourth mm -hmm. option on any given night. So this is a team that's built to make a run. And, of course, to me, the second-best coach in the league right now behind Greg Popovich is Terry Stotts. He has done so much with so little in Portland before. Seems like every year Portland was drafting guards. They could draft Gary Trent Jr. They would draft Anthony Simons. Guys that I'm looking at going, why are they adding this when they're so weak at the wing position? They need a solid four. They are now built to make a run this year. And I think this is going to be the year Portland puts it together. Lillard can have an MVP type year. He can now find guys who can shoot. He can find guys who are open, not just C.J. McCollum. There's a lot of help there in Portland, and I think Portland, again, another tough place to play because right. of that travel. You know, you don't have that Seattle-Vancouver three-day, uh, three-game split up there. You have to go to Portland. That's a big issue as well. I think teams are going to pay attention to Portland as they go throughout the season. Well, you're always looking for teams that are going to emerge this year, too. And I know in the East, you're looking at Atlanta being one of those teams that can make the playoffs this year. Why do you think that is? Atlanta, to me, is a team that is poised to have the best year they've had in a long time. Trey Young is a superstar. He is right now averaging 36.5 points per game as we record this. Uh, I'm looking at their roster. Kevin Huter is getting better. DeAndre Hunter is getting better. Cam Reddish has gotten better. Then they go out this offseason and they made some additions that a lot of people were like, eh, I don't know if that fits in with their youth. They've still got John Collins, who's a solid 4-5 player. 
Clint Capella they picked up last year. He's not even played this year, and the Hawks are 2-0. and So he comes back uh, Monday night, I believe, as we record. Then I'm looking at Danilo Gallinari, a pure scorer, a veteran who can help these younger wings that they have get better, and a guy who can maybe take a Kevin Huter, who can take a DeAndre Hunter, who can take some of these, these players and get them to the next level as well, along with – you, know, you still have Trey Young, who is one of the best scorers in the league. Atlanta will be a playoff team this year. I would bet everything I have that they are going to be in the playoffs this year come playoff time, which will be, I believe, this year a little earlier than normal. It's right. a 71-game season. So I'm I'm putting it in on Atlanta. I think they're in the playoffs this year. All right, how about my Brooklyn Nets? And I'm going to say mine because I've been waiting my whole life to root for a team from Brooklyn And it feels like this might be the time to finally do it. It's my hometown. You've got some big stars there. Irving's there. Durant is now healthy again. And certainly out of the gate, it looks like throwing their direction. Now, here's the question. Sometimes things look good to start, and then the struggles start to set in. But what have you seen early on here from this Brooklyn Nets team? Do you think that the hype is real? I do. I'm buying into Brooklyn. Um, At first, I wasn't for sure, honestly, because I didn't know how Durant would look coming off the Achilles injury. I think he may be the person who benefits the most from the pandemic and the bubble and the shutdown and the extended layoff because this is a guy who had been to the finals and had played so much basketball and he had had very little rest. So he, him getting that injury may have been the rest that he needed. He looks great coming out of the gate. Looks like he's going to be there uh, 100%, no worries. And his Achilles looks like it's holding up well. So I think that's definitely a, a positive for Brooklyn. Brooklyn is so deep. That That's the right. thing people are forgetting. Everybody wants to talk about Durant. They want to talk about Kyrie. Joe Harris was a perennial on the brink all-star a few years ago. One of the three-point contest. Joe Harris is a solid piece that I didn't think they were going to keep, but they ended up keeping. There was a little bit of a off-season issue, but everything seems to be uh, going good now. Karis LeVert has come into his role as the sixth man, and he will win. he will win sixth man of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think Karis LeVert will be the guy that we see coming in as as the guy who can spark the offense off the bench. Between Karis LeVert, who is my prediction for sixth man of the year, Landry Shamet is another guy coming off the bench who does so many great little things. He played with the Clippers last year. He played with Philadelphia for a while. He's a solid player as well, a good backup point. And then the best thing Brooklyn has going for him is that one-two combo at center with DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. Jared Allen is averaging 10.7 rebounds per game already. DeAndre Jordan is averaging 10 rebounds per game. These two guys are a rim protector duo. They are a nightmare for teams when it comes to the pick and roll because all these guys have to do is fall back on help side, and they, and you're, you're not going to get to the rim on them. If you get to the rim, it's going to hurt. So this is a, a team that's put together. If you take away Durant and you take away Kyrie, they were still a playoff team last year. Kyrie only played 20 games. They still had Spencer Dinwiddie. He's still there. They still had Timothy Lou Cabaret. He's still there, a great defensive player who is really underrated in what he can bring there to that defensive side of the ball. And then you just bring in, I don't know, arguably one of the best scorers of all time and one of the best point guards in the NBA, and you put them all there with a rookie head coach, in Steve Nash, who's going to let his guys kind of do what they want to do at this point. He's not going to be real hard-nosed. He's just going to work out the rotation minutes. I think Brooklyn, I had the Bucks as my team from the East to beat this year. I may be changing that to Brooklyn. 
Wow. Because the only way Brooklyn doesn't get to the NBA Finals is injury or some Kyrie Irving locker room nonsense. That's the only way they don't get there. <laughs> well, yeah, and both are possible. Both they are, are very possible. Very you know, possible. The, the probability the, for those is actually better than people might realize. The, and the once second again, more than the first. <laughs> and, and, and that is true. Latter definitely so much. Uh, and and again, in the NBA or playing basketball, whatever, just make sure you you follow Nate at Wide Jump, and of course, go find this podcast. It was called Wide Men Can't Jump. Uh, before we let you go, yeah. uh, I know we got a couple minutes here left. Now, clearly. It's not just a merch thing. You've, you're a Timberwolves fan, and I see you're representing today. So what are your thoughts on Anthony Edwards? Why was he the number one pick for you? Why was that the right choice? At first, I wanted the Wolves to trade this pick. This was I was begging for somebody to take this pick. I said, of course, we get the number one pick in the year where there's really no clear <laughs> number one. And you know, a lot of the experts were saying they should take LaMelo Ball. I didn't like the fit there with D'Angelo Russell. So they take this Anthony Edwards from Georgia, and at first I said, okay, he could develop. Out of the gate, this kid has already averaged, he's averaging, I think, 16 points per game out of the gate, which to me is great for a rookie. And what he brings to my my Timberwolves is he brings uh, something that D'Angelo Russell, Carnegie Towns have needed. They had it a little bit from Andrew Wiggins before the trade. But it, it was more lax. It wasn't really there all the time. Anthony Edwards can get to the rim, and he can get there in a hurry. He's so athletic. He's so big. And you got to remember, he's young. He's a teenager. This is a guy who's going to develop and get better. And he's already playing at a pretty high level. I mean, he was the leading scorer for the Wolves in that just horrendous loss to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, no towns there on the road, right. two of a back-to-back. I'll let that one slide. But he played great. He got to play 29 minutes, and that's only going to get better from there. Ryan Saunders has really found me to use him and use him well. He, he's the rookie of the year, but I'm, I'm a little biased there. I'm, I'm going to pick him to be rookie of the year this year. Uh, but I really like what he does. His shooting needs to get a little bit better. Obviously, I think the shooting um, isn't great yet, but he has time to develop that. He's playing with some pretty good, experienced guards. He's got Ricky Rubio there. He's got... Uh, D'Angelo Russell, who's really an all... SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports today right here on Sports Grid. Great stuff from Nathan Bush, as always. And hopefully we'll be back again soon talking some more NBA. But it's time to shift some gears back to football because it's also still football season. Only one week left in the regular season before we look ahead to the playoffs, which is very exciting. But there's plenty of time for hot takes. So Eric and I are going to go through these and give you our hot takes or decide whether or not they're really that hot after all. And we're going to start with a, a wide receiver who is Basically forgotten, left for dead in fantasy for sure, but had a thrilling 2020 campaign. There's no doubt about that. And he did so with the Las Vegas Raiders. His name is Nelson Aguilar. So I'm going to ask this question. You tell me, is it a hot take or not? Nelson Aguilar failed as an eagle, Eric, because of Carson Wentz. Not necessarily because of Nelson Aguilar. All of a sudden, we're having a little bit more insight here to the Eagles as we're getting more and more time with them in 2020. And it feels like maybe the last few years of Nelson Aguilar's disappointment 
maybe he's to blame for some of it, but perhaps is Carson Wentz, the Eagles team, the Eagles coaching staff? Because this guy looks like a, a legit wide receiver in the NFL, and I feel like he was anything but in Philadelphia. So is it a hot take to say that the reason he failed there was on the Eagles and not on him? I think the question is, is is that a hot take? Yes. Is it true? I don't think okay. so. Uh, Carson Wentz <laughs> can't catch the ball for him. I mean, if if you watched any of him while he was in Philadelphia, it, it had nothing to do with him being open or, or being able to run the proper routes or, or, or anything like that. It's that the ball would get there and he would drop it. So, I mean, that's that's what he was known for in the NFL. Uh, a lot of things had to happen. He ended up over in Las Vegas with the Raiders. Tyrell Williams got hurt, who I think was going to be their number one wide receiver this year. And that catapulted Aguilar into uh, an actual starting position on that team. And he's come through. He's been pretty much lights out all year um, as far as what wide receiver goes. So I don't think it's Carson Wentz's fault. I just think that Aguilar approved. I mean, this happens in the NFL. Uh, we talked about Joss Allen earlier. He, you know, he had very poor accuracy, very poor touch, very poor mechanics, and fixed it in this offseason. And uh, the Buffalo Bills are reaping the benefits, and Las Vegas is reaping the benefits of Aguilar actually being able to catch the football. Yeah, it was supposed to be Ruggs and Brian Edwards and all these other names that we were hearing throughout the season. I think Terrell Williams even was still there going into the year before he got hurt again. And what's stunning to me about Aguilar, when you look at his stats, Eric, he's only got 47 catches on the year, but he's got 839 yards. You want to take a crack at that average? 17.9 average yards per reception that's nuts man that's that's like super elite in terms of that he's got eight touchdowns on the year his longest was an 85 yard reception but i mean that's the thing he's been the big play guy so uh here's a question to ask you into 2021 because this role seems to have been established in this offense and they knew this was a role that was going to be carved out who fills this role next year for the raiders is it rugs is it aguilar again is it somebody else do you think rugs is a post high going into next year i mean for me i feel raiders wanted to be rugs that's where they drafted him um rugs is the faster of the two players i mean aguilar never not even coming into the league what was ever known for his speed or you know or or his breakaway ability that's not who he was as a wide receiver obviously you know 17 yards per catch and that many yards and that many catches it's telling a completely different story but I think they want that to be Ruggs, possibly even Tyrell Williams. Uh, will Rugg, will Aguilar be back with them? I think they'd be dumb to let him go. Um, but I don't think that's Aguilar's skill set. I think he's more of a possession-type wide receiver, which is is fits better with who Derek Carr was. Um, maybe they're all changing for the better. So the Raiders have got a pretty interesting offseason at the wide receiver position. Yeah, they got a pretty pretty interesting offseason altogether, too. I don't even know if Carl will be back. It's going to be a fascinating situation to see work itself out. All right, the next one was a hot take you heard at the top of the show. So let's talk about it. Let's see, is it a hot take or not? Maybe it's true. The Rams need to replace Jared Goff this offseason. Now, I pointed out uh, on the show yesterday when we were talking about the Rams, just how many turnovers the guys had so far. He's had 13 giveaways since week eight. That's the most in the NFL. He's had a myriad of problems over the years of being inconsistent. I understand he did get to a Super Bowl, but let's not forget it was largely on the legs of Todd Gurley taking them there and being as good as they were. And Look, Jared Goff, they've got a big investment in him. But at a certain point, you know, when does Sean McVay start to look at this from 10,000 feet and say, look, I, 
my job's on the line here going into next year. Do you bring in somebody? Do you think Goff is the guy? Like, I get it. When you move on from quarterback, you better have a plan in the NFL. Otherwise, you look like the Patriots do this year. And I don't think Sean McVay wants to go that route. But I'll put it to you. Is it a hot take or is it true? The Rams should replace Jared Goff in the offseason. A little of column A, a little of column B. I mean, for me, <laughs> Jared Goff is the reason this year that they are not competing. That doesn't mean Jared Goff can't improve. Uh, I think he's shown that he he has the tools. I mean, he can make the throws. His acumen at the quarterback position is not the problem. It's his problem when defenses show him one thing and then give him another. Bill Belichick cracked the code and they smashed him in the Super Bowl. I mean, absolutely embarrassed him. And it was on Jared Goff. He 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 didn't know what was going. Now the secret's out and they haven't adapted and he hasn't been able to adapt uh, when is necessary. So that's, uh, I don't know if that's something that can be taught. I don't know enough about football or the quarterback position. It, it kind of seems like voodoo for almost everybody. But for me, if I'm McVeigh, I'm looking elsewhere. I mean, I think this, he, he started to slip last year and this year was even worse. Uh, it, it, I, I get that they paid him. Uh, but I mean, the reality is, is that's not Sean McVay's money. He wants to keep his job. He better move on uh, and find another option. Maybe it's this rookie that's going to start this week. We'll see. Um, but I think the Rams need to move on from Jared Goff. I got a name for you, depending on what happens with Indianapolis. You know, Rivers only had a one-year deal. If he wants to keep playing next year, how about bringing in Philip Rivers to complete that job? Back to L.A., some played there before, you know, maybe that's the kind of guy you can get in there. Certainly with that complement of weapons, you imagine he could be successful. Uh, it took him a little little while to get acclimated, and I understand he's not perfect, but I feel like somebody like that, you had Andy Dalton go with the Cowboys. You want to have somebody who I think is a steady QB, a veteran QB in the league to bring back. I'll tell you what, if the, if the Miami Dolphins move on from Mr. Fitzmagic, how about Ryan Fitzpatrick there? I mean, that, boy, that, talk about that's fun my vote. that one. Yeah, there we go. Let's put Fitzpatrick there. It's just fun to just play God here with all the fantasy pieces in the NFL. All right, let's go to the next one here. This was a statement made by Jamal Adams just yesterday. We're the best defense in the NFL right now. That's coming out of Seattle, which, look, the numbers don't bear that out, but they are certainly the most improved. There's no way around that. So ever since Jamal Adams has come back, Carlos Dunlap has played out of his mind Adams has been unbelievable. He is setting records for sacks by a defensive back. He is everywhere making plays in the backfield even. The guy's incredible. And all of a sudden, the offense of the Seattle Seahawks has kind of fallen back a little bit. Russell Wilson doesn't look like nearly the same guy he was in the first eight weeks of the season. DK Metcalf's totals have fallen off. Chris Carson's fallen off. Tyler Lockett, all collectively, which begs the question, is it a hot take to say that the Seattle Seahawks' biggest strength is actually their defense as they head into the playoffs. I'll take this one first. I actually don't think this is a hot take. I think it's true. I think the way the defense is played here, they, they are the biggest strength. Now, theoretically, the offense is going to show up again and, and be good, but they're in a slump right now. For whatever reason, maybe it's some of the opponents they faced, maybe it's not, but it feels like they're kind of collectively slumping and the defense right now is really showing up. So what do you think about this, Eric? Do you think Seattle's biggest strength right now, ironically, is a defense that was basically the joke of the league for the first half of the season? 
Yeah, I think it is ironic, but this is what good teams do. You mean one one area of the team falls off and the other picks them up. They're still competitive. They're still winning games. They're still going to be in the playoffs. And right now, that's because of the defense. The offense is a shadow of its former self. I can remember having conversations at the start of the year, of the year saying, like, is this the best offense in the NFL? Because Russell Wilson was, I mean, in my opinion, the first four weeks, Russell Wilson was the undoubted MVP because the defense was absolutely awful. They couldn't stop anybody. And Russell Wilson was just outscoring everybody and, and DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett and the running game. Uh, they had DJ Dallas come in and he was effective because the throwing game was so good. So, yeah, yeah I mean, right now, I, I don't think it's, it's a stretch at all to say that the best part of the Seattle Seahawks is this defense. Crazy. 2020 just doesn't stop no matter yep. what. All right. Welcome After to 2020, great- everybody. <laughs> <laughs> After a great Sunday night football performance, everybody's buzzing about A.J. Dillon, who's six feet tall and 250 pounds, and he's got size, thighs the size of my uh, my middle, which is not super small. But let me tell you, A.J. Dillon looks great, but there's all of a sudden now everybody's going to start hot taking this, and I've seen this out there. Here you go. Is it a hot take? A.J. Dillon is the next Derrick Henry. I'm going to send in Duck because Eric's going to throw something because I'm sure he likes A.J. Dillon, but I'm sure he's not ready to go this far. Yeah, I think A.J. Dillon could be, you know, a very good back at some point. Uh, he's not Derrick Henry. I mean, I don't know what his 40 speed was, but I, I'm willing to bet just by the eye test, it's not near of what Derrick Henry's was. Um the truth is, is it is it does happen sometimes. Guys come in, and it happened with Derrick Henry. He was sitting on the bench behind Demarco Murray in Tennessee, and, and, and uh, uh, which is insane. It seems like a lifetime ago that was a thing, but that that was the reality. And uh, I, I went to training camp. I, I always try to make a note to go to one day of training camp and see the players in real life. And he caught a swing pass, which is hilarious because everyone said he couldn't do that, and ran down the sidelines about five feet from me. And you, it's it doesn't make sense in your brain. A man that size and that weight can move at that speed. It it doesn't make sense. TV doesn't do it justice. And it's the reason why he has all these long touchdowns because guys take an angle on them because their eyes are telling them one thing. There's a guy that's six foot three and 250 pounds. This is the angle I tank to catch him. And he runs right past him. And uh, I think the Dylan could be a version of Derrick Henry in the future. And that's great news for the, the Green Bay Packers. Well, I did a little Googling while you were talking. They had the same exact 40 time in the combine. Oh, wow. Like to the tenth, oh, that's a tenth of a second. Yeah. So there you have it. So they are very close. All right. This last one, Mitch Trubisky has saved his job and Matt Nagy's due with a flourish at the end of the season. I'm going to say this is true. This is not a hot take. I think this is absolutely truth. I, I think he's done enough. I, I, they're going to be eight and eight. I don't think they're going to beat the Packers this week. And if they beat the Packers, forget it. Nobody's going anywhere. They're going to throw a parade in Chicago, even though you can't throw a parade. So that's my take. I, I feel like they have done enough. Montgomery stepped up. Trubisky stepped up. Maybe it just took longer, unfortunately. But to me, if things are working, you don't screw with it. And I know it took a while for it to get there, Bears fans. But at least things are going in the right direction. And I don't think you want to scrap that and start over. I think that's really hard to do. Eric, what do you think about this statement? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the the truth is, is super mobile, serviceable quarterbacks don't grow on trees. Uh, You know, Mitch Trubisky uh, is a a good athlete. 
Um, I think obviously, you know, Chicago really reached for this guy, which was a surprise to everybody. But this is the version of Mr. Brisky that Chicago was hoping to have. He's been very good since returning to the starting quarterback position. And he's saving his job and in turn saving Matt Nagy's job. And I think whether they beat Green Bay or not, this this is true. These guys are safe and they'll be he'll be the starting quarterback for Chicago next year. And especially next year, there's gonna be so many teams looking for quarterbacks and looking for head coaches. Do you really want to throw yourself into that mix of being the people looking? Because you're competing all of a sudden something against a ton of other organizations. And who's to say like a certain head coach says, well, I could go to the Bears and coach Trubisky, or I can go to the Texans against Deshaun Watson. No offense to Mitch, but I think we're going to go where Deshaun Watson is to turn that piece around the way he's played. So fascinating stuff. We're going to check in on the fantasy psycho Eric Young and see how smart he is with a little fantasy trivia we come back. So don't go anywhere. More fantasy sports today right after this. Right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. Joe Pizzapia, the Eric Young, closing out hour one strong here because that's what we do. But we've still got a whole other hour ahead of us, so don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid because, look, it's the holiday season. Everyone's working from home anyway. You keep us on in the background. You have us on your mobile device, wherever you want to get your Sports Grid. Go to sportsgrid.com. And you can find out where to watch us. And we're very popular nowadays, so really you should be. Now, before we close out hour one, let's do a little fantasy trivia here on the show. And let's test the mind of the Eric Young and see what's uh, what's left inside of there. Because I don't know what's rattling around. Hopefully the answer here. But I gave you multiple choice, so I'm taking it easy on you. So Alvin Kamara had an incredible 56.2 points on Christmas Day. And that is the third most ever for a fantasy guy to have in a championship fantasy week. Now, it is not the most. So that is the source of today's question. Who is the greatest of all time? Who holds the record for the most fantasy points in a championship week? Is it A, Todd Gurley, B, Jerry Rice, Hall of Famer, or C, Terrell Owens, Hall of Famer, but doesn't go to the ceremony? Which of these three guys actually holds the record for all time, Eric? Uh, I'm going to go with the GOAT, Jerry Rice. That That's my guess. I, I would remember Todd Gurley having a bigger game than that. Um, but yeah, my, my, my pick is Jerry Rice. Fun fact, all three of these guys are in the top five. But you are correct. It is the GOAT. It is Jerry Rice who made his hands strong by catching bricks as a small child. And all of the great Jerry Rice things that have gone on. Jerry Rice is the man, and uh, that's why he's the GOAT. He shows up for... For the 49ers in big spots, he shows up in championship week for fantasy players as well. But uh, it's just sad to see Todd Gurley's name up there. And, you know, those are two slam dunk Hall of Famers, obviously, Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens. And there's Todd Gurley with that kind of performance. And, you know, ugh, you know, I just don't think he's going to get there now. <laughs> you know, he didn't have those Terrell Davis Super Bowl moments. You know, he had a brief window without as good. But at the same time, unfortunately, not enough. And makes me sad, but at least people had Alvin Kamara. I saw somebody tweet me a lineup, Eric, that actually lost. They had Alvin Kamara, and they lost because of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs last night. So that was, ooh, what a tough way to go out, man. <laughs> not how you want to go. We're going to go out in hour one, hour two, right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. <laughs> 